Jesus, you are amazing. You are amazing. Your grace is amazing. You never run out of grace. Your grace is boundless. Your supply line of grace is not broken. The shelves of grace are not empty. Your grace is full, measureless, and it abounds toward us. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your sacrifice that you laid down your life for us. That you rose again from the dead and that you are now seated at the right hand of the Father on high where you constantly intercede for us and pour out grace upon grace. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life and he who has not the son of God has not life. So Jesus, we thank you for abundant life abundant grace that meets every need. Church, it doesn't matter what is swirling around you today. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. You may be in desperation. You may be dismayed. You may be anxious. You may be full of joy. Your mouth may be full of praise. Whatever the situation, Jesus is more than enough. He has promised us rest and we can enter into his rest. We can rest in him right now. Just to come into his presence and rest and know that he is everything first Peter 5 7 says cast your cares on him for he cares for you we can roll our cares every one of them onto Jesus because he cares for us he takes our load he takes our cares, He takes our worries, He takes our anxieties, and He fills us with His grace, covers us with His love. We bask in His mercy. We have everything that we need in Him because He has promised that He is our life. He lives in us. 
We are in Him. We are one. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And therein do we walk, filled with His Spirit, filled with power, filled with His gifts, filled with His wisdom, everything that we need to live a godly life. So church, just reach over to the one next to you and take their hand. Just as a show of unity, we are a body. We are one body. We are the body of Christ. And just pray for one another. Lift one another up. Minister to one another. Rejoice in one another. Love one another. Be of one heart and one mind and one spirit. Even those that are watching the live stream. your goodness. Thank you that you are good and you do only good. Thank you that you surround us with your goodness. Thank you that you carry us every day. Thank you that you hold us in your hand. Thank you that from eternity to eternity you are God. No one can snatch anyone out of your hand. No one can undo what you have done. You are the God of the nations. You rule. Nothing escapes you. You see everything. You fill everything. You uphold the universe by your word of power. You are holy. And you've called us into holiness. So we worship you now. We glorify you. We honor you. We exalt you. We confess with our mouth that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We bow before you.
you that we can come into your presence through your Son, Jesus. We pray everything in his name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I see glory in this place. Well, praise God. I didn't really want to leave that place. <laughs> We're still there. Praise the Lord. Well, I have a word for you tonight. And um, you might think that whenever a physician is filling the pulpit that he might talk to you about health. And you would probably be right. And so I, I am going to talk a little bit about health tonight. In fact, what I want to talk to you about is what's termed lifestyle medicine. So that could be the title of the message tonight, lifestyle medicine. And this came to me in part from a statistic that Robert mentioned uh, this past Sunday. And he said, if I, if I got it right, that in 1968, the prevalence of chronic disease in America was 6%. And today, he said, wherever he got the, the statistic, it's 54% chronic disease. And I would say that that's probably on the very conservative side. And... Um, so, uh, I was recently in a, in a medical conference, and the presenter presented this data from the World Health Organization, from their um, global health estimates, and, that, and the World Health Organization says that 71% of the global population will die from non-communicable disease in CD. Now that's just another way of saying chronic disease. So 71% of the population will die worldwide from chronic disease, non-communicable disease. So that means it is not infectious. This is an acquired disease. Another presenter talked in terms of our health span, not just our lifespan, but our health span, the years that we spend in health. And he talked about the things that contribute to our health span. 10% is a con contribution to our health span has to do with genetics. Another 10% has to do with our biology. And then a th another 10% has to do with our healthcare system, contributing to our health span. So that's 30%. All the rest, 70% that contributes to our health, or not, is lifestyle and environment and what is known as the social determinants of health. 
Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have enough food to eat? Do you have transportation? Those kinds of things. So the, the vast majority of what affects our, um, our health span has to do with the way we live our lives. Okay, so keep that in mind. I want to give you a definition of lifestyle medicine. This, this comes right out of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. It says, lifestyle medicine is the use of evidence-based lifestyle therapeutic intervention, including a whole food plant predominant eating pattern, regular physical activity, restorative sleep, stress management, avoidance of risky substances, and positive social connection as a primary modality to prevent treat, and often reverse chronic disease. That's lifestyle medicine. So I want to shift gears a little bit, and I want to um, bring to your attention uh, a, a quote that, that has really arrested my attention. I was reading a book by A.W. Tozer called The Knowledge of the Holy. A little thin book. I highly recommend it. And there's a chapter in that book called The Self-Existence of God. God has always been. He always will be. The self-existence of God, the creator. He created everything. He has always been and he always will be. And in that chapter, A.W. Tozer says this, because we are the handiwork of God, it follows that all our problems and their solutions are theological. Now think about that for a minute. So when I was trained in medicine, I was trained in a disease-oriented model and looking for disease in a person and then how you might treat that disease. But I never was taught anything about the fundamental root of all of our disease being theological. Jude, if you've been reading the plan, you just recently read the book of Jude, verse 25 says, All glory to him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. That's who our God is. So it only follows from that that all of our problems and their solutions are theological. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. So get your Bibles out. And turn, if you will, to Psalm 1. And while you're turning there... I want to talk about a couple of verses to kind of establish a framework uh, for where we'll be coming from tonight. The first one is 1 John 5, 19. This is in the New Living Translation. And it says, We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Okay, did you get that? We are children of God and the world around us is under the control of the evil one. So we need to understand 
that the world in which we live is under the control of the evil one. Philippians 3, verse 20, in the New King James Version, just the first phrase is what I want to focus on, and it says, Paul is writing, and he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, right? Not in this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. We were raised from death to life through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. The earth is under the control of the evil one. So you think about where is your citizenship and how do you act as a citizen? So let's say we're an, I'm an American citizen and I'm in America and I act out the citizenship of being an American. I have liberty. I have the ability to have free speech. If we live in this area, we might say y'all a lot. But it's something that is characteristic of our citizenship. Now, when I went on an exchange tour, when I was in the Air Force, I went on an exchange tour with the uh, Royal Air Force. And I lived in England, and I lived with the, the British because I was on an exchange with them. I flew with them. I, uh, I lived on a uh, RAF post. And I noticed over the three years that I was in that position that I began to take on characteristics of the Brits. My speech changed. I had different inflection in my speech that was modeled after what I heard every day there. I drove on the left-hand side of the road. I went over sleeping policemen, which are known as speed bumps here. And, uh, and so it was a whole new way. So I kind of took on what would have been a British citizenship because I was immersed in that culture. So whatever culture you are immersed in, you tend to assume that. But remember, our citizenship is in heaven. So what we should be walking is a heavenly lifestyle. Amen? We should be citizens of heaven, not citizens of an earth that is under control of the evil one. So now look at Psalm 1. So to me, as I was reading Psalm 1, Psalm 1 is like the penultimate lifestyle expression, if you will, of what Tozer said in the sense of all of our problems and their solutions are theological. So let me read. I'm only going to read verses 1 through 3. This is in the New King James Version. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper." 
Amen? So it says, blessed is the man. Blessed means happy. Blessed, happy is the man who does a series of knots, who walks not, stands not, sits not. So as I was reading this, it, it, if, if it's saying blessed is the man who doesn't do these things, that means that, that there is a possibility that he could do those things. In other words, it's a choice. You can walk, stand, and sit in these things, or you can delight in the law of the Lord. Amen? So, so the, the psalmist is saying um, there's a lifestyle buried in here. What lifestyle are you going to live? So what I want to do for the time that we have left is I want to focus on verse 1. The walk, stand, sit. It's a progression, and it's a choice. So let's look at it. Let's look at walk. Walk, the Hebrew word for walk is halak, and it means to walk about, but it it also means it is a manner of life. That makes sense, doesn't it? So I'm walking along, and, uh, and, and I'm being a, an American citizen, and, um, and I'm going to take on a, a certain persona as that. It's my manner of life. That's the walk. And it says uh, that, that, that we should not walk, um, and uh, let's see, how did it say it? walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So counsel in Hebrew is etzah, and it means counsel, it means advice, it means purpose. So in this case, it's saying um, uh, don't walk and listen to the advice or the counsel of the ungodly, rasha, it means wicked, so don't listen to the wicked, nor where are you going to hear the wicked? Here on earth, under control of the evil one, is wickedness. And so he's saying don't walk in that manner where you are listening to the counsel of the wicked or the ungodly. So I want to give you a little bit of an example about this from my own life. Um, when I finished pilot training a long time ago, uh, I went to my first duty station in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I was assigned to the 354th Tactical Fighter Wing and the 355th Tactical Fighter Squadron flying the A7D Corsair II. It's a single-seat, single-engine fighter. So I am now a fighter pilot. Fighter pilots have a persona. I know you've seen Top Gun. <laughs> you've seen the right stuff. And, and so now I am fitting into the persona of a fighter pilot. I'm wearing a flight suit. We always wear the flight suit with a zipper zipped down to about right here. We wear our flight cap in the pocket of our flight suit just so, so it's kind of flopping out a little bit. 
we roll up our sleeves one turn inside, wear our, our squadron scarf just inside the uh, collar of our flight suit, and we have the fighter pilot swagger, <laughs> and we stand just so. <laughs> and it is true what you saw in the right stuff when Gordo Cooper is driving in his uh, convertible with his wife, and they're going to Edwards Air Force Base and driving along, and he looks over at her and he says, who's the best pilot you ever saw? <laughs> and she grins and he says, who's the best pilot you ever saw? He says, you're looking at him, baby. Fighter pilot, you are the best. You don't survive unless you're the best. You fly the best airplane, you drop the best bombs, you shoot the best gun, top gun. That's the fighter pilot persona. And I assumed that persona. That was me, if you can imagine it. <laughs> Well, in 1973, we deployed as a squadron to Karat Air Force Base, Royal Thai Air Base, in Thailand. And uh, every week, one night a week, all the uh, pilots would go downtown in Karat City. The majority of the pilots went to the bathhouses, I won't talk to you about what that is all about, but uh, there were a small minority of us, me, my roommate, or actually my hooch mate, we lived in a hooch, and our squadron commander. We went to the Christian and Missionary Alliance mission in downtown Karat for fellowship around a meal and Bible study. We did that every week. And at the end of our tour, we had a, what was known as a Sawadi party. Sawadi in Thai means both hello and goodbye. In this case, it was a goodbye party. We were leaving. We were redeploying the squadron back to the United States. And so we had a Sawadi party, and we all had uh, tailor-made party suits and, uh, that, that we went to our parties in. And at this particular Sawadi party, the rest of the squadron gave us guys who always went to the mission a 100 mission missions patch. So you know, if you flew in a war zone and you flew 100 missions, you would get a 100 mission patch. Well, in this case, we got a 100 mission missions, because we would always go down to the mission. I still have that patch. It's sewn on my party suit. I even thought about bringing it tonight, but I decided not to. But I still have it. And why do I still have it, and why do I cherish it? Because it became a milestone in my Christian walk. Because our walk, we're talking walk here, our walk diverged. They went downtown to one place. We went 
to a godly place. They go to an ungodly place. They listen to the ungodly. But I didn't listen to that advice. I went to the godly place. And so I value that because I was a young Christian at that point. And I'll have more stories about that next week. But um, so, so I still have it today, and I value it because it established my walk. Let's look at stand. Stand. So it says, nor stands in the path of sinners. Stand is amad in Hebrew, and it means to take one's stand, hold one's ground uh, to maintain. So here we get a picture, not of walking and moving from point to point, but we're talking about now taking a stand uh, and maintaining that stand and not being moved from that stand to hold one's ground. Path is direct, and it means a manner, habit, way, or direction. So, so when you stand in the way, you're standing in a, 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 um, a, a way of doing things, and you're not going to be moved from that way of doing things. So now you're taking a stand in that, whatever it happens to be. Sinner, kata, and it means just that. It means sinner, it means the one who's missed the mark. So we're not supposed to stand in the way, the manner, the habit of the sinner. So let me give you an example, and this time I'm going to use the example of food. <laughs> food, what we eat. But we'll look at it from a scriptural standpoint. Genesis 3.6 in the New Living Translation says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. You might say food was our downfall. Psalm 78, verses 17 and 18 in the New Living, yet they kept on sinning against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They stubbornly tested God in their hearts, demanding the foods they craved. God had given them manna in the desert. And when they saw the manna the first time, they said, what is it? And they named it manna. Manna in Hebrew means, what is it? And so I'm sure that most of you, being parents, have often offered your child a new food, and their response is, what is it? Oh, it might even happen to us as adults now. You get a new food on your plate, and you look at it, and you say, what is it? I'm not sure I want to eat that. So our food, um, we eat what we grew up with. If you grew up with meat and potatoes and three vegetables, 
green beans, corn, and peas, then that's what you're going to eat. You're not going to be comfortable breaking out of that. It doesn't matter whether these are good for you or not, but that's the way you grew up. That's what you stand for. I can remember in my family, that's what we had. And when I hated peas, my dad hated peas, but he'd look at my sister and me and he'd say, you have to eat as many peas as I do. And so the three of us are counting our peas (laughs) on the plate and we're eating only the ones that we counted out. And I found out later that my dad often hid his peas under the lip of his plate. He cheated. So, so here are the uh, Israelites in the desert. God is providing the manna for them, and they're rebelling. And they say, we want the food that we grew up with. We want the food that we crave. And he causes all the quail to fall down in the camp. So hold that in your mind, and let's look at sit. So sit is that he does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Sit is yashav in Hebrew, and it means to dwell, to abide, to remain, to stay. So now we get the picture. We've gone from walking to standing and kind of maintaining ground to now building a house, erecting a place to live. We're going to live in this place, and we're not moving. That is to to dwell, abide, remain, stay, or sit in the seat of the scornful. Scornful is lutes. It means to boast, scorn, talk arrogantly, mock, deride. Do you see what's happening here? Is now we've gone from just a a walking and a casual bouncing off of the things in the world to actually now building and erecting an edifice where we're going to live, and now we push off into arrogant derision of everything around us. That's a dangerous place to be. And here's why. 2 Timothy 3.2, New Living Translation. For people, Paul writing to Timothy about the last days, for people will love only themselves and their money, They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Philippians 3, 18 and 19 in the New Living. Apostle Paul writing again, he says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Remember, the earth is under the control of the evil one. So where are they thinking? Where are their affections? Only for things on the earth that are under control of the evil one. 
And that's what you see. That is the picture. And so the psalmist is saying, blessed is the man who does not take on this lifestyle and doesn't progress from this casual rubbing up against the world and taking on some of its persona and moving to a standing position and now to a sitting position and sitting in the seat of scoffers and building your dwelling there and dwelling in it and becoming that. We're in danger of that if we don't do the next verse. So walking, standing, and sitting according to the world, thinking only about life here on this earth, is why 71% of the global population is dying of chronic disease. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 in the Revised Standard Version says, You were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world. Church, we cannot do that. And that's why verse 2 starts with but. Blessed is the man who does not this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. This is Tozer's theological solution to all of our problems. So next Wednesday, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about the practicalities of walking in that lifestyle. The practicalities of putting on Christ. Putting off the old nature, putting on the new, and walking in that lifestyle. And in the meantime, I encourage you to ask the Lord how you are walking, standing, and sitting. Because he'll be happy to tell you. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and show me if there is any wicked way in me. So we should go to the throne of grace and say, open me up, show me, how am I walking? How am I standing? How am I sitting? What's my lifestyle? Amen? Let's pray. Why don't you stand up and join me? So Father God, we uh, just come before you as... Um, your children. You're our Father. You love us with an everlasting love. And, um, and we want to be like Jesus. We want to be changed into his likeness from one degree of glory to another. And you tell us what we need to do for that to happen. You say, but I say, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. Be filled with my Spirit. So we give you our hearts. We want to walk in a manner that pleases you. 
we want to walk the same way that Jesus walked. We want to be holy in all of our conduct because as it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. That's how we want to be. In these days, in this dark hour, we need to be children of light to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. So pour your spirit out on us, Father God. Envelop us, immerse us in your Holy Spirit. Embolden us, strengthen us. Strengthen our weak knees, raise up our drooping hands that we may stand in the power of your might with all the armor of God so that we may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That's how we want to stand. Father, I thank you that you've given us everything. We don't really have anything of our own. It all comes from you. We thank you for the gifts that we receive tonight. The gifts that are going right back to you, for you to use for your glory, for your purpose, for your plan, so that Jesus can come again and receive us to be where he is. So again, Father God, we worship you as the almighty God. And we worship you as our Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Be blessed, be blessed, church.